Amber Brown, podcaster in the accounting, finance, and fintech space. Our flagship show, Accounting Influencers, is now one of the world's leading podcasts in this genre and has a number of spin off shows over the years. This particular show is now focusing on talent, which, let's face it, is one of the biggest challenges for the accounting world at the moment. And the format stays the same. I interview the experts, the influencers, and the leaders in many different aspects of culture, talent employer brand succession, talent attraction, retention, soft skills, accounting credentials, qualifications, leadership, mental well-being, the brand of the profession, employee value propositions, employee engagement, increasing capacity and headcount in accounting firms, career development, and the usual HR, learning development, DEI, the great resignation, a ton of other talent-related issues in accounting. And whether you're hiring or being hired, happy where you are or considering a move, leading or following, employed or self-employed, totally skilled up and super employable or needing to refresh your skills, sharpen your personal brand. This is the perfect podcast for you accounting, finance and tech professionals to stay competitive, relevant and informed about all things talent in accounting. So let's get moving with today's show. Influencers Broadcast Network presents Influencers in Accounting with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Brought to you by Advanced Track. Welcome to our Influencers in Accounting podcast. And I'm Rob Brown on behalf of the Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network that goes live to millions of accounting professionals all over the world, probably millions anyway. I'm thrilled to have with me today a special guest. Kiati Sundaram, hello to you. Hi Rob, so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Kiati, for people that don't know, tell us about your world and what you're really good at. I am the CEO of Applied. Applied is a platform for devising hiring and it's an end-to-end platform. It's a technology product and it helps you find the best person for the job, regardless of all of the other background noise and other things that come in into the hiring decision making. We're going to bust some myths today about recruitment because there's a lot of things that people presume in the talent world that uh, perhaps are not the case. So let's start by asking you, uh, how do you look at the accounting space right now? What kind of shape do you think it's in with regards to talent? Because we hear about the the great resignation and the war for talent and the labor shortage. What do you know about professional services generally? We do work with a lot of professional services customers, uh, I'll give you I'll give you one statistic, which is quite mind blowing to me. By 2025, we know across the UK, and this is not just accounting, but accounting, finance, professional services in general, around half a million jobs will disappear, and slightly more than half a million jobs will appear. This is by 2025. So if we are still testing for how we have been testing for the last hundred odd years, we know we're all doomed as hiring managers. And that's the one statistic that we really need to keep in mind when we put a lens of how do we view the world of talent, whether it's accounting or professional services in its entirety. It's really important to put that into perspective and understand what we mean by talent and flip that conversation on its head. Well, we'll come into that for sure, but let's just deep dive on that statistic there. If a half a million jobs will disappear and a half a million will reappear, presumably they are not the same jobs. So the makeup of the workforce is changing. Presumably, they're not the same. They might have what we call transferable skills. So they might have overlaps between the jobs you have been doing, but they might be entirely new 
even within the same verticals we think of. So finance, for example, accountancy might become more automated, trading might become more automated. And this is my personal experience because I was a banker in my former life. And a lot of these things, jobs will disappear, but they will also change shape. Therefore, the skills that we have as a workforce will evolve and will need to be tested in an entirely different way, or rather a more holistic way. When we look at the jobs disappearing, say in the accounting profession, you'll be well aware that the baby boomers, the over 50s are running accounting firms. They're generally the partners, the owners. They have the equity. They're dying. They're moving on. They're selling up. So they will disappear and the new generation will come through. But with the jobs reappearing, are those people being replaced or are they? is there fresh talent coming into professional services? Are they taking degrees? What are you seeing there about what's coming up at the bottom of the funnel? It's quite interesting. It's it's a healthy mix, I would say. There's quite a few people who are still getting the degrees that we would traditionally see to go into an accounting or a finance role. But a lot of that is shifting. There are more and more people who are eschewing degrees or just going to school for the sake of it. We're seeing that. There's a lot of mixed backgrounds coming into finance, especially if you think of the broader finance area, such as asset management or VCs, private equity. A lot of different backgrounds are coming in. So there is fresh talent. My problem and grief with hiring is still how do we test for that fresh talent do we know that that talent exists and how are we looking for it well, one of your areas of expertise is unconscious bias in training and hiring and we're going to bring you on and interview you on that separately in another show Kiati. but for now we're concentrating on how accounting firms might be missing out on top talent so let's start properly by asking you the best way to measure talent sure let's let's start that if i go back to academic research or evidence. There's about 50 years of research which tells us that the way we are currently measuring talent or screening for talent is completely non-predictive. It is not robust. It doesn't give us any signal of whether Kiati can actually do this finance job or not. So what we know is we need to be taking a more holistic view. And when I say holistic, it has to have skills involved. It has to have attitudes involved. It has to have screening for values, mission alignment, and all of these kinds of things that we are seeing more and more on the applied technology platform. But if I specifically look at accounting talent, we are seeing lots of customers who are now sticking to specific skills and attitudes that they want to test for in an accounting role. So these might be things like ethics and integrity, accounting knowledge, accounting standards, attention to detail, stakeholder management, prioritization in a team setting. All of these, you could say or argue are common sense, but we never really screen for that when you look at a CV for 10 seconds. And you don't get a robust idea of how are these talents being displayed and in an individual that you're screening for at that point. And it sounds like the traditional hiring process that you and I grew up with, and is still prevalent in many accounting firms, which is put the job vacancy out there, solicit CVs and resumes, then interview people either remotely or face-to-face. We're asking perhaps some of these questions, but there's a lot that we're missing. Do you, do you feel the traditional hiring process is still fit for purpose? I completely do not think it is fit for purpose. I think it needs to be revamped from the bottom up. And I will bring into perspective that statistic about the, the nature of the workforce will change. The nature of the jobs in five to 10 years will be completely different. We cannot still use the same tools that we have been using for 40, 50, 100 odd years. And it is, it is the question of who is screening these applications that's number one and the even bigger more important question is how is it being screened how are these applications being screened so if you look at the first part of the question who is screening it quite often it's hiring managers 
in smaller companies, it might even be founders or CEOs. And you think of the six or 10 seconds that's being spent on reviewing a CV. And you can argue which part of the brain fires and what signals you get at that point to understand who to call next. And even if it's not a human who is screening the CV in many, many organizations, we now have algorithmic CV keyword matching. You can still argue that those are black boxy enough that we don't know what they're based on and we don't know how they're screening for individuals. So the issues with traditional CV screening and interview screening, they do incite bias. And there is a lot of problems around the hiring team's assessments of candidates through potential. And a famous Rob Brown quote giving you one here. I say it's famous. I don't use this very often, but it is mine. Is that you can't use yesterday's tools and tech to meet today's problems and hit today's jobs and meet tomorrow's challenges and future risks. So we're using old systems, old ways of doing it because we've done it for hundreds of years. And we're asking kind of the same questions at interview and we're looking for the same things on a CV or a resume. But as the world is changing, the recruitment process is not adapting to that. That's what you're saying. Yes. And the biggest challenge we have as a hiring team or as an organization or even at large as society, when we view the workforce as an important part and the stepping stone into the economic opportunity ladder is do we really know our hiring systems work? know that we match people to the right jobs? Do we know we're not causing adverse impact or discriminating inadvertently against certain people? Do we know it's fair and robust? Nobody is answering those questions. What evidence do we have, Kiati, that the recruitment process doesn't work? Is it the churn and the way staff are coming out of jobs that they were originally hired for? Are there vacancies that are not being filled because recruitment is not right? Talk to us about that for a moment. Yeah, we can see several threads there, but I'd like to zoom in on three, effectively, what I call retention, representation, and a lot of different issues in interviewing and the, the funnel. So let's start with retention. We have seen a problem, especially if we take finance. Recently, banks are notorious. Young graduates are leaving or choosing not to opt for banks, where 10 years ago, when I started banking, it was the glamorous job to have in the city. It no longer is. Um, but we understand why and people are opting out of it. So that is, there is a retention problem. There is a culture problem, but there is also uh, a latent understanding of how we build that workforce and attract them into that job. So that's problem number one. Problem two is representation. Because we don't do things fairly and in a de-biased manner, we perpetuate the same biases. So we end up hiring, I might end up hiring in my likeness, and then my entire firm might be minimis of Kyati. And that happens a lot. I mean, the big four are notorious for being white and male. We see that. And the third is, why is this happening? The third is the crucial element of the why and the how, which is, where is the bias coming in? Why is it coming in? Do we have robust systems in place to counteract the problems that create the retention problem and create the representation problem? That's very good. So what kind of candidates might accounting firms be overlooking as a result of this not fit for purpose way of recruiting their talent. There's a, there's a long list. So <laughs> a CV screening can be detrimental to a really long list. The ones that come to my head now are women who may be penalized, particularly for having career gaps in CVs. Think when people take maternity leave, for example, or choose to stay with their toddlers at home for a couple of years. Uh, second, minority ethnic groups, definitely. They may be subjected to name-based biases. We can talk much more in detail about it, but one particular example I've seen is if a hiring manager sees a black sounding name, and this is an implicit bias, they might associate that 
with a more aggressive behavior, and that person might not get called for an interview. So ethnic minority groups are particularly susceptible. Um, then there's career switches, where the focus is on years of experience rather than transferable skills. And that becomes even more important when we're thinking of new job opportunities that might emerge in the next five, 10 years. And then the list goes on. There's lower socioeconomic groups. There could be neurodiverse candidates who, for example, may have dyslexia and have spelling mistakes on their CVs. And even candidates who are great with numbers, specifically taking accounting as an example, but they might be let down by their storytelling writing abilities on their CV, which is effectively what we're testing. On a CV, we're testing how well you write and how well you can storytell. That is all you're testing. It's fascinating. It takes me back to my days as a high school math teacher. And I was disillusioned by education in the end because we were teaching children to pass tests and we were coaching them to play the system. And that was what the school was measured on with league tables. And the accounting examinations, they measure technical qualifications and your ability to retain information. But when you put them into an accounting role in industry or in practice, there is so much more to it than what the exams measure. Yes, definitely. And that is, I think we can have a separate, entirely separate podcast on the failings of the education system. <laughs> but without getting into that, it makes it even harder when for 20 years in your school and university, you're coached or guided on a certain path. And then you go into industry and you realize those skills are not really relevant. Mm. What resonates also with what you're saying is we're seeing statistics about the leakage of accounting professionals out of practice into industry, into commerce, into retail, into fintech or everything else. So accountants out of practices and firms, there's definitely a leakage there. So some firms are saying we're starting to widen our talent base to look at banking professionals, to look at finance professionals, to look at tech professionals that don't necessarily have accounting qualifications, but they're good at software, they're good with people, and we're hiring them on that basis to see if we can train them to do some of the accounting stuff. I guess you'd go along with that? Yeah, I'm fully in support of that. I mean, if you think of employment gaps and transferability skills that is one of the actual tangible actions we could do is open up the talent pool understand what skills they bring from a different industry uh, for example i've always seen that people who've done really well in support in a certain different kind of environment can do really well in a tech company in a support or a customer facing role similarly we can do the same in accounting you could look up all of the people who have all these additional skills that are adjacent to accounting might not have the qualification, but then they could get the qualification after. I'm thinking when I was in Hong Kong, I was an expat living out there, and it was a very cosmopolitan environment. It was before the handover in 1996, 97. And I walked into a job at a newspaper called the Eastern Express. It was an English speaking newspaper out there in Asia. And they gave me a job editing just like that on the spot because I was good with English because I chatted to them in an interview and they gave me the job on the basis of what I could do on, rather than on the basis of what I have done. They didn't look for a CV. They just said, come and try it. If you're good at it, we'll keep you on. And, and I did that. And I worked in that for almost a year and did a really good job for them because of my ability with language. So we have this situation where if you do rely on a CV and a piece of paper and your ability to perform in interview circumstances, that must preclude a lot of great talent. That's what we're getting to here, isn't it? Yes, and you've raised a very good example. That's a perfect example of the show not tell philosophy that applied follows. It is tell us that you can do the job. It doesn't matter whether you have done it in the past or not. Mm. Talk to us about some of the wider issues that might be contributing to talent shortages and problems in the accounting and finance sector. I think the biggest one that I see from my perspective is pay gaps, especially for women and marginalized groups. 
and we, we've talked about this before most of the organizations especially the big four they are of a certain homogenous nature and that's bad for business because we know without making the argument for diversity diluted which i don't like to do i don't like to talk about profits and diversity but in this case i will point it out there is enough and more evidence to say diverse teams create more profitable and better businesses so we know that if we looked at it in a more inclusive way we would be able to one fill the vacancies and we wouldn't be exacerbating the problems of we don't have enough talent and it would be fairer it would be fairer for a society as a whole but i think it starts from pay gaps and which is a manifestation of the culture as well if you're not doing it robustly if you're not doing it fairly that reflects in pay gaps in the organization and you've already alluded to the problems with minorities and representation of women in accounting we're doing a series coming up with some prominent influential leaders of accounting firms and networks that are female and talking about what is actually a male dominated world. But in fact, there are more accountants that are female in the profession than male. However, in the leadership roles, the management roles, the top positions, as you would expect, women are highly underrepresented, as are many of the minorities. I'm sure you see that too. Yeah, completely. We see that not just in accounting across industries. In fact, there was a very interesting article recently in the Harvard Business Review, which said that there are typically more talented women at junior levels, various industries, and it did a cross-section across industries, but it's just really hard to progress. And we know that there's the leaky bucket problem. There is a process problem because people are not treated fairly. There's a pay gap problem. There's too many problems to talk about and solve in, in this one hour episode, but it, it, is, it is the unfortunate reality that we have to solve and layer out all of these complex problems. We're starting with solving the problems by laying out the issues and the challenges and the pain that this will cause. So for the accounting leaders, managers, owners, people in positions of responsibility listening to this, what can they do to start to redress some of these issues and hire better quality candidates? Let me start by saying that everyone needs to build a fairer more predictive hiring journey but it is that it is just that it is a journey and it takes a long time every firm will be at a different stage and that's okay there are measures that can be tailored to each firm and implemented now whatever that stage to make a huge immediate difference so let's start by talking of a few tangible steps for example if they are using cvs to screen are they anonymizing those applications? Can they still see through what the name, gender, ethnicity, whether they've worked for another big four company? All of that is noise, as we've established. We need to get rid of that. So that's a very small step. And there's lots of free tools they can use to anonymize their CVs. And they can still screen, albeit a bit more robustly than before. So that's just a small example. The second one, which is a bigger overhaul, is using more of skills and aptitude tests. So we use more kind of numeracy tests or show not tell tests and examples of work samples such as actually giving candidates real world problems to solve um, within a certain time frame you don't want candidates to spend five days doing work for you but it's it's these kind of tests that will add robustness to that cv screening process we hear a lot about psychometric profiling don't we kiati and myers briggs and entjs and disc profiling on all of this plenty more are available how do you rate those as an effective tool in assessing whether candidates are right for a role. Yeah, unfortunately, we still hear a lot about it. <laughs> but again, going back to evidence, a lot of those have been invalidated by science. And the, the bit that I always go to is the results. Do the tests or the assessments or the processes that you're adopting speak for themselves? 
does it do what it says on the tin? So I can say that for applied, if we use an applied process, which is anonymized, debiased, uses a holistic method of skills and CVs, we've been able to boost ethnic minority hires into financial services, into accountancy by 80%. That's a huge number given the context of the UK industry and benchmarks. So we know it's possible, but it's not easy. Talk to us about some of these skill tests and aptitude tests that might work for accounting roles. So the two parts to that, it's really important to understand is what the assessments are. So what skills tests and accounting tests are, but also the second part, which is our USP at Applied, is how are those tests reviewed? Because bias could come in in either way, shape or form. So starting with what the assessments are, uh, we have a battery of tests. And a lot of these tests are validated against many criteria, but primarily to understand that the tests are not causing indiscriminate kind of practices against certain kinds of population. And the premise, as we talked about Rob before, is the best proxy of whether the person can do the job. So think of it as a real world situation that you test the candidate on or what psychologists call a work sample test. So example from an accountant role that would be, let's say you had to test for their ethics or integrity. Um, you would give them a real world scenario as a question. You'd ask them, well, their approach on that question. So an example could be, you're a new accountant at this company, a salesperson has just submitted a massive expense claim to you. There is no supporting documentation other than a print screen of their credit card statement. Let's say, what would you do? And that answer, however short that answer is, will give you a very good understanding of that person's thinking process and their values and integrity principles. So that's the kind of questions I'm thinking of show not tell, can you actually do the job? It doesn't matter what you did in the past. And we built a lot of those kinds of tests in collaboration with our customers, with industrial organizational experts, and also done some bits ourselves. And then we supplement that with other kinds of tests. Of course, you want numeracy tests because you want an accountant to be really good with the numbers. So again, we built specially validated tests for finance consulting accounting companies that we know are not creating adverse impact for women and not creating adverse impact for ethnic minorities, because a lot of the tests that exist on the shelf are known to be negatively impacting such populations. It's interesting that you bring up ethics and integrity, because with a profession like accounting, it's a professional qualification, like the legal profession and the medical profession, there is a code of ethics. You may have come across the recent bad press from Ernst & Young, where many of their graduates were cheating on their accounting qualifications. Now, if you have ethics and integrity, but you fall into a culture where that is encouraged or you're persuaded to do something, because Ernst & Young were in on that as a firm to get these people through, because they're all also making them work 70, 80 hours to do all the billable hours and everything else they have to do. So you've got to test for this stuff really robustly. And I, I love the way you're putting people in different scenarios, uh, theoretically, if anything, and asking them what they would do. Yeah, so this is what we have established over the last four years of selling the product across like 300 customers now, and a decent chunk of them are finance, accounting, consulting, professional services. And we have just tried to identify various scenarios that would be the most predictive of a particular job. So what we are building now is, you could call it a taxonomy of skills and questions slash tests that would be most predictive of doing one type of role. So if I were an accountant and I wanted to hire, uh, if I were an accounting hiring manager and I wanted to hire an accountant, I would go into Applied and say, I want to hire an accountant and Applied would give me the top five predictive tests to do. And that's what we are building for. We want to make it as easy and simple with that data and that cleverness added to it. So 
as humans, we are guardrailed against making incorrect decisions as much as possible. It's my contention, there's no evidence for this, but just from what I've seen working with accountants over many years, that there's five core skills that they need to be effective as a 21st century accountant. Technical skills, in no particular order, but technical skills is a given. You've got to know double entry bookkeeping and how to add things up. And then it's technology skills, because this is the world that we're in right now. Accountants, they don't need to be geeks and write code necessarily, but they need to do more than turn a computer on and off. Then we've got people skills, which speaks a lot to what you're talking about, those softer skills and, and integrity, perhaps. Then we've got commercial skills, business acumen, commercial awareness, almost thinking like an entrepreneur and a business owner to really serve their clients. And then finally, we've got selling skills, being able to not just sell products and services, but to sell an idea, an initiative, a decision, a program, uh, an adoption of certain technology. So I'm sure that list is not exhaustive and you would add a lot of skills to that. But you, you looks like you've built the perfect job application. I think the top five skills that are most core to you as a human or as an organization and test for that. It's all about just testing robustly for what matters and not all the noisy bits that sit around the application. That's the soundbite, testing robustly for what matters. I, I really like that. So we've solved the problem now. We've stated the problem. We've solved the problem that we need to test more robustly and have better uh, recruitment processes and be applied can help with that. Talk to us about the upside, the benefits of, of getting the right skills-based approach to make the best hires for accounting firms. So one of the things that I think is particularly crucial now in the given times is how people's perception is about accounting as a career or finance as a career. And that's changing. We've seen a massive shift of how the young workforce feels about these. And one thing that I've noticed a lot is every time a candidate fills an application, which is not a traditional CV application, so most of the applied applications are not a traditional CV-based application, we absolutely get loving comments from candidates, which is flipping that sense of, you know what, I hate writing my application. I don't ever want to apply for this job. And this company is completely not worth that time. It changes that because at applied, we're saying, Nine out of 10 times people love the application and that sends a signal to the candidate that the company is very fair and it's a beacon of robustness that the people will get a chance to be valued on what matters. They're being assessed fairly. It's not a personality or attractiveness, attractiveness contest as it may be in many organizations. It encourages a more diverse pool to apply. So top of the funnel, we're opening up the talent pool because it's a fair process. Middle of the funnel, we understand that we're not dropping out or creating a leaky bucket again because it's a fair process. And at the end, when we extend offers, we've seen a 30% more likelihood of acceptance of the offer. And that means more people are joining the workforce in those organizations, which they wouldn't have otherwise thought of joining. And it's all creating that positive candidate experience, which I think is much needed in the accountant and finance industries. Well, we could argue whether accounting finance has an image problem as a profession, or do you see the similar problems across other sectors and industries? There are similar industries without naming and shaming. <laughs> because recruitment is recruitment, isn't it? Everyone's done it the same way for so long. Completely. And every company is a recruitment company. In my mind, they miss that you are your people and every company is going through that. So if you have an image problem, sometimes exacerbated by the culture or the behaviors of the people in the organization, you just make it harder for yourself to attract people. But what I am saying is the point to note is even if you have an image of being a company that is not in a great industry, you can change that by giving candidates a fairer process and you can 
have one up on your competitors. Katia, this is excellent stuff, such insights. If accountants are listening and want to raise their game with the talent pool and the recruitment, how can Be Applied help them? Well, there is a lot of free publicly available resources on our website. So I would love for people to read and see that. There might be accounting firms who are willing to adopt technologies. I can give them an email address. That would be great. I am at Kiafi, which is K-H-Y-A-T-I at beapplied.com. And you can just search for us on Google and there's lots of free information that can help you as well. Wherever you're on the journey, we're willing to work with everybody. Great. We'll put your contact details in the show notes. And finally, let's ask you, We've talked about the old world of recruitment. What has happened before in this new world of hybrid working and labor shortages and great resignation and everything else? Talk to us about what talent looks like in the new world of work. It is something that we are still getting to terms with, isn't it? It is a very different view of talent. People's expectations have changed. It started with the coalescing of COVID and Black Lives Matter back in 2020. And it, we've seen that wave continuing. So talent is looking very different. The demands are very different as the younger generation gets into the workforce. They're opting for more fairer companies, people or companies who care deeply about their employees, people who are transparent. All of these things matter a bit more than the paycheck, for example. And we have to understand that in 50 years time, that might even get more important for the workforce. So we have to start looking at this new talent, the expectations of this new talent and start evolving the organizations as well in line with the expectations of the new talent. Well, Kiati Sundaram, that's a really good call to action. Thanks so much for your passion and your insights today. Thank you for having me, Rob. Thanks again. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Influencers in Accounting. Brought to you by Advanced Track. Your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Thank you for listening to this new Talent in Accounting podcast. This is a relatively new show, but already has over a thousand listeners. So we appreciate you tuning in and sharing the show with your connections. If you have a potentially good guest you'd like to see on the show with some great insights on talent, reach out to me on LinkedIn with a message and we'll follow them up. And as we build this show up, we're looking for a couple of sponsors for whom talent and the accounting finance space is important loads of great opportunities to get your brand out there and show your key messages and even get some of your own guests on the show. Again, drop me a message on LinkedIn to tee up that conversation. And for great podcast content elsewhere, make sure you subscribe to our main show, Accounting Influencers, goes out every Monday. And join the 40,000 listeners in 150 countries for brilliant interviews with the top leaders, experts, and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. Finally, why don't you join us and our community with some conversations at our next virtual speed networking session. These are now taking place every two months for accounting, finance, and tech professionals. 75 minutes of speed dating, great discussions, raising your personal profile, making new connections. Go to accountinginfluencers.com to register your free place for our next event. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.